Hi, uh, welcome to the second edition or second part of our podcast of group analysis of our E through H. Um, I'm joined alongside uh, Holden Wilmson and Dash Tischler. We will now head into group E with Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan, many of which we did not expect this to kind of pan out like this way. Uh, me personally, obviously very shocked and disappointed. Um, I still think there's some controversial aspects towards the ending of the group, but uh, I guess the technology showed. Another reason uh, why Japan is now first, but yeah, also I think it shows, you know, anything's possible. Japan kind of beat Spain the exact same way, how they beat Germany. Um, kind of down in the first half, but the second half got two chances off the fake. Quick one, two, one. Um, and then their defense ultimately was very stern, didn't allow anything through. Uh, but what did you take from this group? You consider it more of a Japan masterclass or a severe kind of Germany letdown or in a way, some way, maybe Spain weren't as pop as we expected. I think uh, Japan really are a fantastic side. Really, I going into this, I knew they had talent. I didn't think it was on the level of Spain or Germany, but they they've shown they they know the German way of playing, right? Because a lot of them play in Germany, so. That that was that was the upset where I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense, right? But then when they beat Spain, I'm sitting there thinking, how on earth have, how on earth have they pulled this off, right? How because Spain, they they beat Costa Rica seven nothing, right? And then Japan goes on and loses to Costa Rica one nothing. I, I I and I think that it's partially Japan prepare maybe with a different mindset between when they play against big teams and when they play against teams that are smaller than them, right? Against Costa Rica, they seemed uninspired. They seemed like flat, almost as if they didn't even really care what the result was, right? But then they play against Spain. Huh? They, they play the one of the world champions from 2010, huh? and absolutely fantastic. Against Germany, uh, four-time world champions. Absolutely fantastic. So, I think that it's just the mentality of the Japanese players, maybe, that, that it helped them move through. Uh, although, it was also partially the mentality that made it this close to begin with. Uh, but yeah, and then Spain, I think, after that first game, they got a bit cocky. They, they they thought oh we 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 just beat a team seven nothing why we'll easily beat everyone else right and then they draw against Germany which yeah I mean both that was that was a game that was really back and forth and then they lose against Japan uh, and then Germany of course uh, another disappointing World Cup. Uh, you know, I, I I understand German fans being frustrated about that that uh that goal line uh whether it was over or not. I, like that's 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 a fair thing to be frustrated about because it it only ended up being a difference of about 
1.88 millimeters, I think it ended up being. Yeah, I think they also saw, like, apparently before the game, they uh, charged the balls because they have some metric in them that kind of measures if the ball was fully over the line. They also do it with offsides. So with wow. some way, they must have really figured it out. But the thing is, from what you see on the TV, it looks like it was out. Um, there's a green in between, but apparently, I don't know what they saw in the VAR room, but apparently they had that technology to really show it wasn't. Um, yeah. But, I mean, of course, you know, you can't come as a German fan or if you were looking at Germany's perspective, you can argue about that because they did the job against Costa Rica ultimately, which it took a while. Um, but maybe if they wouldn't have, you know, against Japan, like that's where they messed up. And that was, that's the reason why they're out because they didn't beat Japan. So that's obviously the main reason to look at. Yeah. I feel, like, so like Germany, I feel like Germany can feel hard done by them. Some of the advanced stats were suggesting that they were arguably the best performing side in the tournament so far. Like they had put up some really good advanced metrics. And obviously advanced metrics aren't everything. The results on the board count, but I think we can all agree that that Japan goal was controversial. Let's say that that's not given. Would they have had the evidence to overturn it? I don't know. And if that happens, then potentially you have, I mean, I guess it still wouldn't have worked out for Germany in the end. But like, let's say that you've ha you had that. You would have been talking about Spain going up by one point. But at the same time, what really gets missed is that Spain didn't go up by one point. Spain and Germany were tied on points because they lost to Japan in that game. And admittedly, maybe Spain deserved to be ahead on points. You know, can you cut this? I'm rambling a little bit. Um, but yeah, cut, cut from the cut from the goal count. I'm trying to talk on this stuff. But anyways, right. the issue, but the issue here for Germany was that advanced metrics don't tell everything. But they could have easily been in a position to go through. And you take away Spain beating Costa Rica 7-0. You could totally make the case that Sané should have finished against Spain at the very end of that game. Let's say Germany beat Spain. You've got yeah, Germany going through, Spain go out. Germany's loss looks basically like, a, honestly, the most excusable upset, arguably, of the Brazil, France, and Germany upsets. And suddenly we're talking about a very different thing. It's really a game of inches because if Sané finishes, we're talking about Germany as a shaky team, but a deserved team who went through, and it's Spain who are in crisis. And I think that Spain's 7-0 win obscures the fact that they were probably deserving of a loss against Germany but in some ways I mean I didn't watch the full game from what I from what I saw and heard it sounds like they might have been lucky to come away with the draw I think for Germany just things things went wrong they things that could have gone wrong did go wrong their defense yep. was too poor and they couldn't get bounces so it's disappointing but there are actually positives to take out of this with the exception of the defense, which was, by all accounts, an issue. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I think Musiala was excellent. The offensive plays there, I mean, you see the talent they have. It's really great. Um, and I still think the team is standing behind Flick, uh, as reported by the DFB today. So he should stay on. Uh, they see value in it. But, of course, yeah, those little moments where you lose discipline are – yeah. I mean, yeah, of course – if that goal wouldn't have counted by Japan, they would have been through. But uh, you can't look at that. You have to look at the Japan, Japan game, some elements of the Spain game. And I mean, yeah, like against Costa Rica, when Costa Rica actually took the lead, that meant Spain were out as well, uh, which was crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I think honestly, Japan, uh, in a way, I would say are in the best form out of Spain compared to Spain going into this round of 16 because... 
Spain don't really impress me that much, if I have to say. I mean, I think some days they will show up. They'll score a good amount of goals. But, yeah, it's difficult to say. I wouldn't say they're as dominant as people expected after the 7-0. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, moving on a tablet with Costa Rica, I I was so impressed with how they bounced back from that 7-0 loss. Honestly, I thought they would keep their heads in the gutter and continue just conceding a ton of goals every game. But they went back to their principles. They went back to what they know. And they were fantastic against Japan. And then against Germany, uh, they started off a bit shaky. You know, they got back in the game. And, and you could see the second they got that goal, there was there was that, that, that switch that turned in their mind like, could we do this? Right. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and they did it for three minutes. I mean, the and, second goal was like crazy. I don't know how that went in, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, credit. They... I, I will say Costa Rica, Costa Rica being Japan was a bigger upset than Japan being Germany. Entering the tournament, if you told me Japan were going to beat Germany, I would have been like, okay, yeah. I believe you. In my yeah. mind, if there was going to be an upset in this group stage, Japan were the most likely team to cause it. But Costa Rica being Japan, if you told me that was going to happen, I would have been like, that's a massive disappointment. Yeah. So, credit and, to Costa Rica. Yeah, and I mean, with Costa Rica, at the end of that Germany game, obviously, once Germany scored the equalizer, Costa Rica were like, okay, uh, we're, we're not going to yeah. be able to. But, but, I mean, still, it shows that... Uh, I mean, it was the last chance for Costa Rica, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think that they're going to qualify for the next... Well, they might qualify for the next World Cup. I think it's less likely than a lot of other teams because they were really reliant on this old generation. And I, I don't know how well they've really ushered in this new generation. Hopefully, over the next four years, they can continue to do so. Uh, to to really integrate uh, some younger players in, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think that if it was a younger team, they they could have actually been more successful because of the fact that you know they, there wouldn't be those concerns about energy. Maybe they they would probably say to themselves, "Well, we're not thirty nine, you know, we we can we can run a few extra miles." <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was they were good. They were not actually. I won't say good. They were resilient. There we go. That's a better word. Um, they uh, and and yeah, that's all you can really ask for from a team, right? Giving a, giving what they have, and ultimately, if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. If they tie, they tie. But, uh, yeah, Costa Rica had no real uh, thing that they were looking to get out of this tournament other than, like, maybe a win in the group, which they got. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see, like, how they integrate the new generation, or even really if, but... I hope how I, I I I like the team, but I think yeah it, it's gonna be there are gonna be a lot of question marks. 
uh, in the next few years. And hopefully for them, uh, everything goes well. I will say, though, just looking forward for this group, I think at this point, Japan, were the best side in this group. I think they can totally pull a shock against Croatia. And I think they have the mentality to do it. And Spain right now look like a classic Spain. Play well in a few games, but exiting the round of 16 team. Like, I think totally they're on upset watch against Morocco. But it was a fascinating group for sure. Maybe the most fascinating in the whole tournament with that crazy final day when for a second, it even looked like yeah. it would be Costa Rica and Japan going through. Yeah, it was like a roller coaster of emotions. Like, I was in a bar. I, think I told Dash already, four different fans from four different nations. I was like just going yay back and forth, like every five minutes. It was like absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end, for me, obviously not uh, fun, but from a football fan perspective, of course, wonderful. I mean, great group. Um, but yeah, now on to Group F, and this was another chaotic group. Um, I think, Holden, was it you who said that Belgium was going to go out in the group stage? I didn't say they would go out, but I said that they would barely squeak by because okay. I, I really... I, I felt like it was not a good enough team. In the end, they certainly it was a rough road for them, and their exit, while maybe not as shocking as some of the others, was still like, in my mind, it was a surprise. But I think this was a group which had a story of none of these teams were really ever the same team game to game, I feel like, except for maybe Morocco. Um, Canada's opening match was spectacular at the start, then it cooled off. And then things never really got better from there for them. And it only went downhill for the most part, except for the brief moment at the start of the Croatia game when they were leading. Croatia, I feel like, are still a team we've not seen. We don't know who they are at this point. Are they the team who throttled Canada? Are they the team who played to a draw, which looks more impressive by the game against Morocco? Or are they the team against Belgium who controlled the game for portions of it, but couldn't really make that count? Are they the team against Belgium who could see several high-danger chances? We don't know. Belgium, obviously a disappointing end to the golden generation. Um, certainly there's a lot to unpack there. And for Morocco, I thought this is one of the most impressive sides of this tournament. I mean, you think about it, they're maybe the only side who hasn't suffered an upset yet of the teams who have topped their groups. And maybe it's time we start talking about them becoming the first African team to make a run for the semis. I don't know. What were you guys' takes on this group? Yeah, I mean... I love Morocco. I love uh, their players. It's so fun to watch them play. I, 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 I did have a bit of criticism for them after that first game, just because of the fact that I felt in build up they were a bit shaky, but they they calmed it down in the second and third games, uh, and they uh, I I think they were fantastic. I I, I think their fans really uh, getting behind them helped them quite a bit. Because there were a lot of Moroccans. Um, I think that, yeah, Ziyech coming back, he was he was so good in those last two games. I think first game he was a bit mediocre, but still. Um, yeah, Morocco, fantastic. Um, Croatia, I had expected them to top the group. They came second. Uh, I mean, like, uh, like they're, they're they they were good, they were good. Don't get me wrong. I felt like they maybe underperformed a bit in 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 the in the Morocco game, but like, yeah, like you said, 
it looks better by the game because Morocco have actually been fantastic in this in this World Cup so far. Belgium, uh, I, I I mean, listen, the golden generation. Uh, it's it's tough because I really want to say that the golden generation ended up as a failure, but uh, they they did have a run in twenty eighteen, and they made they came third, but I bet I I do think that considering the expectations, it was a failure, right? And I think that uh, the team chemistry now is shot. Uh, Vertonga seems to be not too happy with Kevin De Bruyne and vice versa. Um, I, I, I had originally thought the, the defense would be an issue for Belgium going into this World Cup, but actually they only allowed two goals, right? The, the real issue for them was the attack, which shocked me, honestly, because they have some fantastic attacking options. Uh, they But they really looked toothless almost like um they they hadn't ever even met the guys they were playing with there was no real connection they were never they they weren't often threatening um but yeah uh, and i had warned some of my friends who were like oh yeah belgium's going to make a deep run i was like nah cuz this this uh uh the the team cohesion is horrible they're their tactics are too defensive. Um, uh, the the coach himself uh, was a failure at West. Uh, well, not a failure at West Brom, but he had never coached big players, in my opinion, uh, until this Belgium uh, role. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just not a good situation to be in. And I don't think. They properly, same as um, uh, Costa Rica, in the sense that I don't think they have properly integrated the young players from the next generation yet. They were too focused on keeping the legacy of that old generation, and instead they've ruined it and uh, and ruined their future by not integrating some of those new players quickly enough, in my opinion. Here's the thing. I feel like I agree with you that it's a bad situation. Their attack was toothless, and a lot of it's on the manager. Like, I think him playing De Bruyne, one of the best creative midfielders in the world, on the wing at times was head-scratching. I think that leaving out an informed Trossard for an out-of-form Hazard is just in, indefensible. But I feel like there is talent there. Like, I feel like once they get rid of the manager, this is a team which could actually come back yeah. to somewhat prominence pretty fast. So they do, they do have some quality young players. I mean, players like Trossard will still be around. De Bruyne does seem like a difficult figure at this point, but if he gets the right manager, he's got an, at least one more tournament left in him, I would bet you. I think this is a team who, there's a road to a comeback, no? I mean, there is. There is, but it's also like, after embarrassing yourself like this, and then after, uh, you know, ruining your relationship with your teammates, it's it's tough. and And, and I think... I think for Belgium, yeah, they maybe have one more tournament in them, but uh, the defense, they'll all be gone by then, and they don't really, they didn't bring in many young defensive players um, that I can really think of off the top of my head. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and then uh, midfield, like you said, there, there were some 
players that have been loosely integrated, but only off the bench, right? They were not really given proper minutes, in my opinion. And I think that it, it's crucial for them to get the experience now in a World Cup, um, especially when they can actually offer something, when the older players are maybe uh, maybe not as creative uh, as, as they could be. Um, I, I feel like that would have been the smart thing to do, but uh, Roberto Martinez uh, just didn't do it, which uh, his fault in fairness. But I do also think that so the players will have to look at themselves to some extent and say, we could have done more here. You know, we should have done more here. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I agree, but... There's also I me. Mean, you can play on the coach, the tactics, and but of course that's all the phenomenon of Lukaku and his yeah, three golden chances he had, and somehow they just passed it to the goalie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also in the last game he did. He played Trossard and Poppy showed young. But what's really questioning me is why did Jeremy Doku only get 15 minutes? If I were the manager, I would play that guy 90 minutes every single game. I mean, he really changed the game. He's really fast with the ball. He got into great positions. Um, but I think he only played the last 15 minutes in the third game. Um, yeah, and then he gave the chance to Lukaku. I don't know. It, you have those days as a striker. It's unfortunate. Um, but, of course, on the big stage, a big-time player shouldn't happen. De Bruyne, I think, I saw, like, a worst 11 of uh, the tournament, and actually Ronaldo, ironically, was included in there. But uh, De Bruyne should be up there. I mean, his leadership really didn't bond well. I've heard a report. I don't know how accurate it is, but supposedly five team players flew on a separate plane back to Brussels. And I think it was the likes of uh, Doku, Witzel, Openda, uh, and Munier. But, uh, yeah, I, I see you have a lot of great talent, young players still in the pipeline. I mean, you still have them. But I think it's all here that will kill it, ultimately. Um, in regards to Croatia, as we say, they kind of, I think... They kind of get better as it goes on. The more games they play, the more they figure out themselves and they get better. Um, uh, Morocco, I mean, I don't have much to judge about Morocco. I didn't watch many of their games, but, you know, maybe one of the first African teams to really break out in recent years. Uh, in Canada, I mean, we haven't talked much about Canada, but a bit underwhelming, I would say. I think they looked at this group maybe to get something out of it. Maybe if they're lucky, you know, uh, get a win uh, and I think they had the best chance against Belgium and if they would have had that they would have put them in the front seat but it just didn't come for them so I think looking back at this group honestly I'm not surprised how it ended up um, and I think all these four teams in this group really are teams that it's really hard to tell where they are you know kind of on the periphery or cusp of doing good or doing very poor so pretty mixed group or interesting group and i would say the two teams that made it through are deserved yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that and i will say that like canada i agree with you belgium was their chance tactically that was a great matchup for them and after that i think that just once that didn't go their way a it was a poor tactical mismatch for them with croatia and canada i mean with croatia and morocco b croatia's talent told and c morocco is just a really good side i think it's morocco side has been I mean, I haven't watched them play every game, but like their results are really impressive. I'm 
I won't say I'm going to predict them to beat Spain at this moment, but I think they're totally a team who can go deep now. And as for Belgium, like we've talked about it. So just tactically, I think it's a disaster class. Squad unity wasn't there. And I hope that the golden generation aren't remembered as failures because 2018, they were brilliant. And I think that was a great run by any nation's standards. But I think that a lot of it falls on the coach Martinez, who, and also in the Federation, who, in my opinion, should have removed him long ago after probably after year 2021. Absolutely. But yeah, with Canada, in my opinion, I think uh, they laid the foundation. Uh, this was never going to be a World Cup where they made it out of the group, if we're being real with ourselves. So, you know, getting that, 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 um, how do you say, voodoo or hoodoo of like, ooh, uh, we have to score this first World Cup goal now. Getting that out of their mind, the 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 fright of that, um, and and having some decent performances in the World Cup, uh, I think that will really lay the foundation for a charge in twenty twenty six because ultimately their players are still young enough. Uh, they they have a very talented young team, so. 2026 might be the year for them to get out of the group or to at least get their first World Cup win um, or at least their first World Cup point. Uh, but yeah, and then, um, yeah, going on to Group G, that was uh, Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, Serbia. I mean, Brazil... First two games, fantastic. Third game, I won't read into too much, right? It was mostly their substitutes that got put on. Even I love them. I mean, that was a top 11, that team that played. Yeah, that's true. They, their B team is a great team. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, but I, I, I absolutely love Abubakar uh, of, yeah. of Cameroon. I mean, that, I, listen, the red card... It's it was worth it for sure, hundred um, percent. But um, and I love the uh, the way that with the referee, I think uh, Ishmael Alpha, it was. Uh, I love. Yeah. yeah, he he's a MLS ref, uh, and I I love the way that they uh, they interacted. He's he's just a fun player in general to watch for Cameroon. But yeah, I was surprised that Serbia really, really were so poor um, against the against well not the, uh, against against Cameroon in that last part right of the game. They they had the lead right, and then they're then for some reason they just switch off right. And, and and you're thinking to yourself, how do you do this? This is a World Cup. How do you switch off, right? But it happened, and and I mean they have attacking talent, uh, despite I, I and look at the goals for. I mean they had the most in the group, but defensively, this is which I'm surprised to say. Defensively, Serbia were not great, even though they have a pretty defensive like set of tactics normally right so seeing them concede eight 
as a team that are t tactically defensive is like shocking in my opinion. But yeah, Cameroon with Onana being out, I think if they had Onana for that second game, second game against Serbia, they would have won. Um, yeah. But and and they could have, or they would have in that sense, uh, in that case, gotten out of the group. Um, but I mean, it's also kind of like, yeah, they 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 did sort of what was they they overachieved in my opinion, right? They were on paper fourth best in the group, and they came third. So fair play to them. Switzerland obviously had that incentive against Serbia yeah. with all of the Albanian uh, Kosovar sort of players on that team. Uh, so they 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 wanted the win uh, so badly, and obviously you could see at the, uh, during that game with the amount of the yellow cards there were. Both teams cared quite a bit, um, but yeah. That was that was that was a nice that was a fun game, um, and Brazil, yeah, they basically swept the group. Other than that Cameroon game, which, I mean, yeah, it was a fantastic team, but a fantastic team for for Brazil can be their A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P squads, right? So, it's it's like, yeah. Um, uh, they they deserve to go top, and they should make a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, do you think Brazil have been impressive so far? Minus that Cameroon game, which is disappointing, but I think not fatal at the moment. Um, I don't know. I I know people love the Abubakar red card, and don't get me wrong. I'm someone who loves an aggressive celebration after a goal. Um, you can ask my high school teammates about how I would celebrate the goal in a big moment, but um, what I will say is that you don't look in that moment. Serbia, if they score, Cameroon's through the round of 16, and a boomer card doesn't play. Like, why do you take your shirt off on a yellow card with a chance that your team can still go through? Like, come on, if he that's look, I love, I love celebrations. Okay, like, there's you can, you can, you can quote me on this. I do love celebrations, but. Be smart about it. You want to run and scream with the fans and beat your chest or something? Awesome. All four. It's a great moment. Feel that joy. But don't get yourself sent off when your team could still need you. I mean, just why? It's the wrong mentality. So to me, that that to me showed that Cameroon had, in my opinion, a better tournament than I expected. I thought they would finish bottom of the group. Tying Serbia, beating Brazil, awesome. But the mentality wasn't there. Why do you send home Onana? Because he refuses to take goal kicks the way you want them to. Yeah. Like just work it out better, you know? Like, it's just comical. I think Cameroon really could have – I think – so, yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to nitpick on their mentality because the truth is, like, this is a good tournament for them. I'll take it. But I do think that in the future, they should – next tournament, when a player scores against Brazil, you know what? Don't take your shirt off if you have a yellow card already. But take it off but if you don't because it's awesome. But now you belong. You can go to the knockout stages. Act like you belong because you do belong. Cameroon sure they belong. Serbia, on the other Serbia hand, would have scored. They wouldn't have. Uh, Switzerland would have still been through. Serbia would have had to win then for Cameroon to go ahead of Switzerland. I think. No, nah, Cameroon oh. had. Did they? Uh, well, if if Serbia scored, 
then they would have had the exact same goal difference. I'm I'm gonna get off my soapbox about Cameroon's mentality, but like I hope the next time they go in there feeling like they can go through because they can go through. They showed it. They were great. Um, Serbia, by contrast, not so great. I called them my dark horse. Sergey Milinkovic Savic has to show it at some point, right? I mean, he's so good. Just he was impressive though. Yeah, but here in yeah, he's poor at the World Cup. It's really disappointing. I thought Tadic looked good. I thought Lahovic was hurt, but when he was. His goal against Switzerland was class. I don't know. Serbia has so much talent. I don't know why they had to play defensive either. Like, I'm the coach. I'm telling them, look at our midfield. We can play with anyone. Let's go and try to put four past every team. But I think just the mentality isn't there. And in the end, they crumbled. It's really disappointing because yeah. they're great players. I, I think it's I think the depth. Think. You look at Switzerland, like, they just had the depth compared to yeah. Serbia. Serbia have those star players, I would say. They have some, but... Switzerland, if you look at the players they bring in, the players you rotate, I mean, they're all playing top-quality sides. Here's the thing. Serbia have guys on their bench who are playing in decent leagues. Like, they brought on yeah, But, like, I don't know. I agree with you. Switzerland do a better depth, and Switzerland kept their composure. Like, Serbia were the better side first half, but Switzerland, they got that second goal was awesome. It was a great team goal. And then they shut down the game and played with composure. And kudos to them. They went through. They proved that experience trumped it, I think. So... Absolutely. And uh, actually, uh, speaking of uh, this group and Brazil, I just got a notification. Gabriel Jesus is out for at least three months. Yeah, he's going to miss the uh, World Cup. I mean, they he didn't play actually much in the first two games. But of course, I think as a last 20 minute striker, certainly will be missed. And also for Arsenal, he'll be missed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's big for them, but um, yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, so Group H, which is Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay, and Ghana. Uh, I think if we when we talked on the last podcast, I certainly think this is not how we expected the group to end up. But in some ways, if we look at it, I think honestly, kind of deserved. Uh, I'm very impressed by South Korea. I love the team, how they played. Played very well, created a lot of chances. Um, of course, you can talk about the controversies regarding the Uruguay match that they should have gone to penalty or they should have been rewarded more, and that they felt like the referees had an agenda against them, obviously due to the you know history between Uruguay and Ghana. Uh, but end of the day, I think, yeah, was South Korea lucky just because they played Portugal in the last match? They were it didn't matter, or did they really deserve it? So, what you, what's your take on this? Both of you. you know, Coming in, I thought that maybe South Korea were overrated, if anything. I didn't have a lot of faith. Admittedly, I didn't see any of their games, but props to them. They they came through and it mattered. Um, I still think they'll struggle in the knockout stages, but this is a successful result for them. And certainly they do have quality players in that squad. I mean, I'm a Spurs fan and Sun is just world class. I still think he's underrated, even if he's not in the best form right now. And of course, they have other guys on that team who have really stepped up for them. Um so we'll see what happens there. Ghana, though, I think we'll see this as a missed opportunity. Um, I mean, just I, I wonder how much different history would be if IU converts that penalty kick. And I just think that in the end, they were great until the pressure got to them, which is really unfortunate because I think they were a team who could have been in the round of 16. And especially late in that game, I think you got the sense that maybe the Uruguay game was just not like neither they nor Uruguay took the right mentality going into it. Because at the end, there are chances where Ghana had breaks and you would just see the players like like they'd be walking with open space ahead of them or like they would be waiting till the defense could get back in position. And it felt like they were more concerned about just taking up time 
and running out the clock to get Uruguay knocked out than they were about trying to come back themselves. Admittedly, by that point, scoring two goals would have been unlikely, but just late on, they looked like they weren't, they either were consciously trying to play to stall or they just didn't have the energy to really go and give their all offensively anymore. They were that, they were either that shook up or just that exhausted. And I think in the end, that's really unfortunate. I think they're a team who, Maybe if they could, maybe if they could just trust themselves more in those moments and play braver at the end of the game, take the chance of the penalty, finish some of those great chances they had because they created a bunch of great chances which they just couldn't put away. They could have been in the round of sixteen right now. So I think this is going to be really bitter for Ghana. But they're aside on the up. I mean, they've got some wonderful young players. They'll be ones to watch in four years' time. Um, Uruguay, it's disappointing for them. I think they they know they could have done better, but I don't know. They're just they weren't great in qualification and they certainly were a vulnerable squad. And then as for this Portugal side, I mean, losing to South Korea, not a great result, but it's ha- similar things have happened to other teams and it was a result that didn't matter for them. So that's a warning sign there, but they're decent. I just don't feel like they have quite, they have the talent, but I don't feel like they're quite as convincing as some of these other, as some of the other top teams when you think about how they play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with Ghana, just like with Canada, this World Cup was just about getting some of those young players' experience, getting them in there, you know, getting them ready. Um, and then 2026, the players will be close enough to their primes to where, you know, they could they could create something. I was very impressed by Mohamed Kudus. Uh, yes. Yeah. And hopefully that adds a couple extra euros to uh to a potential transfer fee in the future we'll see but um but yeah uh uruguay i felt defensively they were great but they were too old too slow in attack in my opinion uh suarez i love the guy cavani i love the guy but they're both so old and so slow right now. And then Nunez, he, he's, I don't want to be too harsh because he does have his moments, but he's just not clinical enough. So you're relying effectively on Valverde to score your goals. And I'm sorry, but he's a defensive midfielder. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not, uh, uh, gonna happen too often so it, it's it, yeah I mean, Uruguay underwhelming um, South Korea I felt like defensively they were also fantastic um, yeah they the Kim defense I loved it right they they acted valiantly in almost every single match put themselves on the line they, you could see moments where they were like in pain, and still they were like, "I want to be back on this field. I want to finish this off." Right? They had that, that, that aggression in them that that you need, uh, and so I absolutely loved this team. Uh, and and uh, listen, I had disrespected them maybe a bit going into the tournament. I had them in either, th- I think it was fourth. Right, and so I mean, 
Well, actually, no. I had them in third. But I had said after the first match day that they would come in fourth. And, yeah, that was... Uh, looking back on it, uh, I had, I've had better predictions. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, fantastic team. Uh, I'm surprised Son came back so quickly, but I guess, in fairness, he is their best player. And they do need him on that field ASAP, right? So, yeah, he, he, he was pretty good. Um, Portugal... They were Portugal, right? I mean, it's what you would expect from Portugal from the first two games. And then the third game, well, I'd say first two games until after the 3-1. Not first two games. Other than after the 3-1 for uh, the Ghana game, they dropped off a bit. But, yeah, I mean, other than that. Uh, in the first two games, they were fantastic. And third game, nothing was really on the line. They could afford to kind of screw around a bit, uh, test some players out, give some players the first World Cup experience, uh, which, you know, fair enough. So they gave those players the experience. And, uh, yeah, South Korea uh, took it very seriously and they ended up winning uh so good for them good for asia because asian teams were fantastic in this world cup yep uh i mean saudi arabia south korea japan um australia playing afc um all of these teams other than Qatar, Qatar were the only ones where you could objectively say they just weren't great. Um, I mean, yeah, fantastic World Cup for them. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, so yeah, that's that's it for the second part of this episode. Tune in for the third part, which is our predictions for the round of sixteen. Um, uh, follow us on our socials, uh, which were um, on Instagram, considering the World Cup Insta, and on Twitter, considering WC. Uh, see you in the next part. Uh, have a lovely day, night, uh, afternoon, whatever it is for you. Uh, and we'll see you next time.